You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose. And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift. You can always press play on Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. I don't want a lot for Christmas. What? You, 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 you. That's not <laughs> No, no, no. Yes. Make my wish this come ep- true. <laughs> Hold on, let me see if I can actually do like a good impression of that. I know exactly what part you're talking about. Yep. Make my wish come true. The first true's got to be a little more flat. True. <laughs> Make my wish come true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas! I'm getting a new coat. <laughs> okay, I can't. All right. Anyways, guess what we're talking about tonight? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. What, but what are we talking about? Guess. What, what do I I mean, I have to guess? Yeah. I think we're talking about um, the title of show Christmas special. Uh, it's Christmas now time that, at title of show. Now that we're tight with Hunter Bell and I Jeff I guess Bowen, we are now, right? You were like having full-blown t- conversations with them on social media. No, he was just liking my things. Love and I was like, that means us. we're friends. That must mean That's we're more than any celebrities ever acknowledge me. Yeah, exactly. So, guys, we're talking about White Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white list. But before, before we really talk about White Christmas, I want to ask you, so we, this is the last episode of the year. Yes. And of the season. And of the this season. This is the last episode of 2020. What a year it's been. It's been so, fucking wild. I was going to ask you, Sam, what's one thing that you're grateful for this year? Oh, I know that you probably think that I feel obligated to say this because I'm on the spot with you, but I am really grateful for the way that our friendship has persevered through working together. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have done this podcast with you and to be able to create something with my BFF has been very fulfilling and a nice little escape every week. I know it's been a lot of hard work. I know sometimes it always hasn't been easy, but it's been nice to put... It's just been nice to work on something artistically. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would say the same thing. Oh, if you have something else, it's okay. Oh, I was just going to say 
the creation of this project, something that we joked about for so many years and then made something of it and did it fast and did it efficiently. Yeah. We just decided. We were like, all right, I guess we're going to do it. And we just kind of went literally to see what happened and then picked up by the wonderful Broadway Podcast Network. Shout out to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us and picking us up on my birthday. Okay. And then my other question was, what do you hope for in 2021? I know that Rome wasn't built in a day. Nothing's going to get fixed overnight. But I am hoping that after a year that has been filled with, frankly, a lot of selfishness from a lot of people, I'm hoping that everyone comes out of the other side of this experience um, with a little bit more compassion under their belts. I'm hoping that... We are kinder to one another. I'm hoping that we are more thoughtful, that we are willing to jump in and help those in need. And I know that Biden is far from perfect. I know that Kamala is far from perfect. But I'm hoping that with Trump out of office and with some more, slightly more thoughtful people in charge, that we might be on our way to a more compassionate country, which I think would be really helpful for a lot of people. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll see you next week. Our time is up. Our time is um, up. Sorry. I know. <laughs> Listen, okay. You can't ask me a question and not expect it to be a 30-minute answer, okay? <laughs> I'm Miss America, okay? I appreciate that you let me joke about it, though, with you. April 23rd, because it's not too hot. It's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Do you know that movie, Miss Congeniality? Of course I know Miss Congeniality. Did I say the right date? Is it April 23rd? I think I don't know. If it's not, DM us, okay? We're, we, 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 we said at the beginning of the season, we're not fucking fact checkers, okay? <laughs> what about you? What are you What are you hoping for in 2021? Oh, man. I'm hoping for some more financial stability. Hey. I know that's selfish, but I'm a pretty low point right now, so. It's fucking If hard you are looking to make a donation to me pocket, please <laughs> DM us for my Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> all right are you ready for tonight's drinking i am i'm very nervous tell me what you're drinking first i am drinking bud light seltzer holiday edition buzzed broadway presented to you by no but real though if bud, bud light, light seltzer wanted to sponsor us oh for sure and give us they... a little check every week and help us send alcohol to our future guests that would be great Oh, I've got a whole plan for us in okay. 2021. I hope you know. Okay. I'm really excited. Um, I'm drinking... Oh, my goodness. I'm oh my drinking <laughs> my deep any grapefruit with a seltzer, but I think it's like a watermelon seltzer. Okay. So it just tastes like a big old fruit. Okay. You love that deep any grapefruit. I do love deep I'm drinking it for a few, a few episodes now. Well, I also opened it, so now I'm like, I have to finish it. True. Not wrong. Before I buy more alcohol because I'm poor. Hey, there we go. All right. Are you ready for the drinking rules? Lay it on me, chief. All right. So first, we're going to go back to some buzzwords because I really liked that. We did that that one time. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Um, but our three buzzwords are Christmas, I'm snow, so and Vermont. No. Yeah. <sighs> So when I thought about buzzwords today, I was like, what will Sam say the most in his description? Got it. 
Um, on behalf of buzzed Broadway super fans and guests, I almost said Andrew Pantazis, Andrew Kelly and <laughs> Rachel Pantazis, we have to, if we want to say each other's names, we can't. We have to only refer to each other as kid because that's what they called oh, each other. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So no, Miss Harrington. Not that you'll be doing that tonight. Anyways. And lastly, we will be playing a game of categories. Okay. So this means that either of us could get fucked. Okay. So I am going to give us categories just like you would in like a drinking game. We go back and forth and the first person to take more than like 1.5 seconds has to drink. Would you like a practice one? Uh, I think you're going to give it to me anyway. You know I am. And by practice one, I mean it's real because one of us is going to have to drink. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So I'll start every time. Okay. So that you understand. Okay. Name song. I'm giving you an easy one to start. Name songs from the movie White Christmas. White Christmas. Mandy. Snow. Abraham. Count your blessings. Happy holidays. Choreo. Happy holidays is not in White Christmas. It's from the musical. Hello. I should have specified. I forgot about the musical. Oh wait, you might have said the movie White Christmas. I didn't. I. I did okay. say the movie White Christmas. I did. I have it written down. We'll call it. We'll call it. I got it wrong. Okay, whatever. Um, are you ready for a shot? I think so. At Lyle, I would never. Soup. A one, two, three. A skiddly diddly do. Veterans Bob Wallace and Phil Davis have a successful song and dance act after World War II. With romance in mind, the two follow a duo of beautiful singing sisters, Betty and Judy, en route to their Christmas show at a Vermont lodge, which just so happens to be owned by Bob and Phil's former army commander, General Waverly. With a dazzling score featuring well-known standards from Irving Berlin, White Christmas is an uplifting musical worthy of year-round productions. And don't we know it, because I did it in the dead of summer. (laughs) We'll talk about it later. Was that the whole description? That was the whole thing. I kept it short, because I know you hate when I take too long. Sam? I'm sorry. I drank. Kid? Uh, uh. That was... So good. Thank you. If it had been longer on Concord Theatricals, I would have read longer. <laughs> I made no effort to cut, keep it short. It just happened that way. But you lied and said you did it intentionally. I think it's important mm-hmm. to lie to your friends. <laughs> okay. That's a conversation we can have for another time. That's actually, real quick, that's a Sherry Renee Scott reference. She did this. So when I was a kid, real quick interlude. Do you care if I go on this tangent? No, I'll probably cut it. But when I was a kid, I would sit on the computer for hours at a day, and I would watch Broadway.com videos, and I would love when Broadway.com would like go into dressing rooms of Broadway shows before the show. Uh-huh. And one day they went into Sherry Renee Scott's dressing room before The Little Mermaid, and it was just this iconic video. If you've seen it, send us a DM. It's the funniest thing ever. 
and at one point in the video, she's like, after the, she's like, after the show, when I go out into the stage door, you know, kids always ask me, is that my real hair? And I say, yeah, of course, you know, I just comb it up for the show and I comb it down when I go outside. <laughs> and then she's looking in the mirror with her giant lips from the, from the makeup in the show. And she goes, I think it's really important to lie to children. <laughs> so like, it just sets them off on the right path. So everybody's got is, I think, undercredited as a comedian. Yeah. She is so damn funny. Anyway. So let me tell you about Irving Berlin because I like didn't know anything. And I've sung a ton of his music. Yeah. So Irving Berlin, as we know, one of the greatest songwriters in American history. He was born in Imperial Russia in 1888. His name was Israel Bylan. His father worked as a cantor <laughs> at... What? Sorry, you called you called him Israel Bylan, and then I thought of Adrian Bailon, and I was gonna say like, ah oh, yes, Irving Berlin, the great grandfather of Cheetah Girl star Adrian Bailon, <laughs> and I just thought that would have been really funny if I had just said that, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt you, so I didn't say it. <laughs> but then I was giggling, but then I was giggling, and then I had to say it. If I said Israel Bylan, I meant Balin. The great grandfather of the lovely Boylan sisters from Annie. (laughs) (laughs) So his father was a canner at a synagogue and he moved his family in the late 19th century, hopped upon Ellis Island and came to join us over here. And then when he got here to Ellis Island, obviously everybody changed their names. They right. na- his last name became Baleen. Baleen, 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 Baleen. <laughs> Irving was one of eight children, and when they got to New York, they lived in a three-bedroom apartment. The parents and the eight children. So like it four kids been to less Irving. than eight children. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, eventually, his dad died. So and he moved. He like wasn't. I don't remember why he moved out, but he moved out and he lived on the streets and like sang for money and basically made money that way and literally OMG. became street smart. It like got to know the like the ghetto. It's wild. Um, I literally think I'm going to buy a biography on him after the little research I did tonight. He eventually got a job singing at a restaurant and he would when the bar closed, he would teach himself piano. And this is when he's like 18 years old. That restaurant so was called Ellen Stardust Diner. It was not. And he now... <laughs> it was not. If you go late at night to Ellen Stardust, <laughs> you'll see the ghost of Irving Berlin floating through the dining room, singing Defying Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> and then rushing to an 8 a.m. call the next morning. <laughs> I don't know what kind of mood I'm in tonight. But I love it so much. Keep I'm so sorry. <laughs> he would learn teach himself piano when the bar closed. So he didn't learn piano until he was like 18, the little dill hole. That's nuts. Um, he had two, I believe, two marriages in his life. The first one, she died of a fever. I'm trying to remember a lot that I didn't write down, so it could be okay. incorrect. <laughs> but do we have fucking fact checkers? No. So I'm no. going to keep going with my fake facts. There um, you go. But then he married again, and it was like a forbidden love because the father was like, don't get married. I don't approve because I think she was something, and he was Jewish. 
An orthodontist. She was an orthodontist. <laughs> no, was okay. No, so she was she was something, and then Dad was like, "No, we can't do that." But they eloped anyways, and it was like a whole oh God, scandal. The drama. Yeah, it made the New York Times front page. It was legit. Wow. Uh, but they were like super in love all the way up until she died, which is so beautiful. How dramatic. It is dramatic. So, he won one Oscar for the song White Christmas. Take a sip. Yeah, you take a sip. You're right. Crazy Story. Wow, I guess that's, I'm going to talk a lot. I'm so sorry. Crazy Story. When he won this Oscar for this song, he was the announcer. So, he opened the envelope and was like, Irving Berlin. <laughs> and it's me, Mario. <laughs> And it was so uncomfortable that the Academy was like, mm, I think we need to change that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the last time that happened. Um, he won his only real Tony, like for winning for his work, was for Call Me Madam. Well, he has a Tony for that. And he also has two special Tony Awards. Congrats, Irving. He died from natural causes in his sleep at the age of 101 years old. Wow. As many years as there are Dalmatians. Good for you, Irving. You got a different doll. If you got a new Dalmatian every every year, you'd have one for every year of your every year of your life. <laughs> you may know some of Irving Berlin's songs that he wrote that really got sold in that little alley in New York City with all the sheet music and stuff. Uh-huh. Schubert Alley? It's, no. Tin Pin Alley? Yep, yeah, no, that, 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 that. Yeah, definitely that. So he wrote songs such as I Love a Piano, Blue Skies, Cheek to Cheek, I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm. Great song. Putting on the Ritz. The old old classic God Bless America. I actually did not know. I did know that. I did know that. Random, but. And also Work by Rihanna. No, he did not. Did you know, but. Um, God Bless America is our country's unofficial national anthem. Um, I didn't know that, but it's not surprising considering we have virtually no separation of church and state. Facts. And then uh, the first romantic ballad he ever released was a song called When I Lose You, which he wrote six months after his first wife died. Oh, Irving. Mm-hmm. But it got crazy famous and that's how he started writing Irving. those romantic ballads. Uh, so sad. Yeah, I kind of love him. Yeah. I mean, he A lot of adversity been... for one person. Sam, do you want to tell us? No, you don't. You want to play a little game of categories. Uh, you pulled one over on me. Are you ready for the next one? I keep calling yeah, you Sam. On me. It's kid. Let's both take two sips. <laughs> the category is Santa's reindeer. Okay. Dasher. Dancer. Oh, shit. Prancer. Vixen. Comet. Cupid. Dahmer. Blitzen. Rudolph. Root. Uh, you can't go twice. <laughs> no, 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 no. You sip away, my dear. You said, we, but we should both sip because you started, which means I was set up to lose. I, you could have forgotten one of their names. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I'm sorry that it sucks to be you. I came up with the rules. You have to follow them. That's how it works. That's why we <laughs> do it every other week, kind of. So the year is 1948. World War II, it's over. She's gone. 
Yay! Irving Berlin is like, I wrote this great song. It's called White Xmas. What's it called? White Xmas. I don't know what that means. It's called White Christmas, okay? Everybody at home drink. It's called White, you know. And he's like, I want to write a movie around this song. And he brings the idea to Paramount Pictures, and they're like, this sounds like a great idea. We have these two incredible performers who have done these movies together, and we want to put them in a third movie together. And those two performers were Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. Mm-hmm. And they bring the show, or the movie, to Bing and to Fred, and they're like, also, like, let's talk a quick moment about what the fuck is the name Bing. Like, Please don't talk about him that way. Chandler, that's not your, like, it's like, you're not Chandler Bing. Also, you're not a search engine that nobody uses. Why do we care? Oh, my God. Why do you hate everything? Well, Friends is not good. It's also homophobic and racist, but. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Why do you hate straight people? You hate straight people, too. I don't hate straight people. I strongly dislike straight people. Um, Every time I do something with my boyfriend, Sam texts me and is like, why are straight people so exhausting? Literally, though. (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So Paramount is like, okay, we're going to put Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire in this movie. It'll be their third movie together. And Fred Astaire gets the script and he's like, no. And for some reason, he was so put off by this movie that he withdrew from his entire contract with Paramount Pictures. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because back in the day... Back yeah, in the old you, days, you would get signed with a, pr- a production company and you would do several movies for them. And he was like, this movie's awful. And also, I quit. So, like, Bing Crosby why? was also like, if Fred's not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And then Paramount was like, come on, Bing. And he was like, okay, fine. Then, they were like, who's going to co-star with Bing Crosby? And they were like, maybe Donald O'Connor can do it. And Donald O'Connor mm-hmm. got sick and he couldn't do it. And then Danny Kaye was offered the movie, and Danny Kaye was like, okay, I'll do it, but only for $200,000 and 10% of the profits. Oh, stop. Was he a big $200,000 and 10% of the gross. So basically, what wound up happening is Bing was like, okay, I'll do it, and Danny Kaye was like, okay, I'll do it. But literally, half of the profit went to Paramount, a quarter of the profit went to Bing Crosby, and a quarter of the profit of the movie went to Danny Kaye. Like, yeah. where is Rosemary Clooney's money? Where is fucking Vera Ellen's money? Yeah. On top of that, because the movie was written for Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, and Danny Kaye was such a m- stronger comedian, we'll say, than Fred Astaire, mm-hmm. they brought in a, a new writing staff to rewrite the entire script around Danny Kaye. Mm. And it took them two months to rewrite the script. One of the writers was like, the original story was awful, and the movie is still awful because we started with such awful subject material, and we had to just figure out what to do with it. Why does everybody hate this movie so much? I don't know. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> after about six years of production, White Christmas was released in October of 1954, Wait, what? and was okay. Listen, the film was released on October in October of 1954, and was the highest-grossing movie musical at the time. The stage adaptation was actually premiered at the Muni in St. Louis, Missouri in the year 2000. That production went through some workshops in other cities, and there was a San Francisco production, which is where we got the cast recording, um, mm-hmm. featuring Brian Darcy James. <clears throat> Musicals oh, I never played... listened to that album. 
It's really nice. It Why doesn't, have I not? I love it. You've seen the stage production, right? Yeah. So obviously the plot kind of differs a little bit from the movie. There's different songs. Um, but the production finally opened on Broadway on November 14th, 2008. Uh, it ran with 12 previews and 53 performances because holiday shows only ever really run in like yeah. November, December. A second engagement opened the following year at the Marquee Theater on November 13th, 2009. At the 2009 Tony Awards, White Christmas received two Tony nominations for Best Choreography and Best Orchestration. Uh, what do you say we move on to your telling this plot? I would love to do that, but I think you're going to ask me a question first. I'm not. Okay, I'll do the plot. It's Christmas Eve. It's 1994. No, it's not. 1994. Amanda Lee Harrington has just been born. It's not 1940. It's not 1994. It's 1944. It's Italy. It's World War II. Two soldiers. Bob Wallace, former Broadway veteran. Phil Davis, aspiring entertainer. They're performing for their division of the army. They're saying, happy holidays, everyone. It's the army. We're in the army. It's the army. It's the army. Oh, look, an alien. Hi. Where are you going? <laughs> oh, you're going to be gonzo by the time it's you try to walk out of the studio. an alien. It's an alien. They decide that they want to give a Christmas send-off to every... Well, a Christmas salute to everyone in the army. And also give a send-off to their general... General Waverly, who is leaving his command in the army. They're singing, they're dancing, they're telling jokes. They say, yuck, yuck, yuck. Suddenly, at the end of their performance, the base is under attack. In all of the chaos of the ambush, Davis, Phil Davis, saves Bob Wallace from a falling wall. After the attack subsides, Bob Wallace goes to check on the injured Phil Davis. And Bob says, listen, you saved me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for saving me. If I can ever do anything to repay you. And Phil says, well, <laughs> there is one thing. <laughs> I almost threw up a little bit. <laughs> You could, it tasted like meat, which is the weird part, (laughs) which is the weird part. It tasted like salami. (laughs) Remember that Jimmy Neutron episode where they were at the theme park and Carl was like, salami. (laughs) It was the phantom. There was a phantom and he had like a salami arm. And Carl was like, salami. So anyway, Phil Davis is like, if you start an act, a nightclub act with me, that can be the favor that you do for me for saving your life. And Bob is like, okay, I guess, you know, I do owe you. So whatever. All right. World War II ends. Wallace and Davis Yay! are the next big vod- uh, nightclub act. They performing in nightclubs. They become producers. They produce nightclub acts. And it's Christmas time and one night they're about to go on Christmas break and Wallace and Davis are gonna like give a big Christmas bonus to their staff and one of their agents one of their assistants is like oh hey you got a letter from one of your army buddies old Frecky Frecky not Frecky 
There you go. Old no, Freckle Frankie. Face, Frankie Haynes, the oh, Dog Face Frankie. Boy. Oh. I don't know why they call him the Dog Face Boy. That's pretty offensive. Anyway, they get a letter from Freckle Face, Frankie Haynes, and Frankie Haynes is like, "Hey, my sisters have a nightclub act, and I told them that that you would go watch their act and let me know if it's a good one or not, you know, and see if you can find other other nightclubs for them to perform in." Let me know. Let me know. Tell me, babies. So, you know, Phil is like, we should do it. And Bob's like, I don't know. And Phil's like, yeah, we should do it. And Bob's like, okay. They go to this nightclub. And they watch these two sisters, Judy and Betty Davis, perform. And they're in... Nope, not Davis. They're uh, Betty and Judy Haynes. You shut your mouth. (laughs) You're welcome. Betty and Judy Haynes. And they perform this number. And they have these blue dresses and these blue marabou fans. And it's fabulous. And it's very gay. Ugh. And Bob is like, wow, Betty Haynes, she's pretty. And Phil is like, wow, Judy Haynes, she's pretty. And so after the show, they decide to ask them for drinks. Phil and Judy hit it off just fine. And they get up to dance. And they look back and they're like, wow, Bob and Betty are hitting it off just great. And then you cut to the table, hard cut. Cut back to the table. Betty and Bob are like fighting. They're like, nah, you're a bitch. And he's like, she's like, you're a dick. And he's like, you're a bitch. So, evidently, what winds up happening is that, you know, Betty and Judy are supposed to be on their way to Vermont where they're booked for Christmas to have their little Christmas nightclub gig. But Betty goes to Phil. I know, sorry, Judy goes to Phil and she's like, Phil, the landlord is trying to frame us for burning his rug and he wants $200 to replace it. But we didn't burn the rug. He's trying to he's trying to set us up. I bet they burned the rug. I don't think they did. No? I don't think they did. I think nightclub owners were skeezy. Okay. Anyways. So anyway, he's like, "Don't worry. We'll get we'll figure it out. We'll get you out." Oh, wait, here. Why don't I help you escape through the window? You can hop in a cab and I'll give you our train tickets so you can get out tonight instead of getting out tomorrow. And Judy's like, thank you so much. We'll pay you back. Betty, come with me. Let's get on this train. Let's get out of here. Boys, you need to distract the nightclub owner so he doesn't try to sue us or frame us. And Phil's like, I got an idea. Bob, come with me. And they dress in silly little stupid drag and the surprise is like, oh, it's Wallace and Davis. They're dressed as girls, and they're singing sisters. It's a joke. LOL. After the nightclub act is over, Judy and Betty have escaped on the train. Phil and Bob get on their train to head to New York. Because I think they're in Florida. I think. That's far. It's a long train ride. Yeah. But it's the 50s, so whatever. They got a sleeper car. They're going to sleep for a couple days on the train. Anyway... They get on the train, and Bob is like, wait a minute, I thought we were going to New York. This train is for Florida. And Phil's like, oh, oop. Nope, you're right. The train's for Vermont. And also, it's also for New York. You can stop off in New York. You could if you wanted to. Sure. Yeah. It's a Northeast train. But that Everything's train in is also the same route. Like, they were Okay. To be on that All right, Mr. Conductor. <laughs> I don't need to know where the choo-choo's going, okay? Bob and Phil are on the train and they bump in to Judy and Betty and Bob's like what are you doing here and Betty's like what are you doing here and Phil is like oops and Judy's like oops and they, Bob and Betty basically figure out that Judy and Phil are arranged to get on the same train 
And Judy and Betty are like, we're going to Vermont. And Bob and Phil are like, we're going to New York. And Phil is like, well, what if we don't go to New York? And Bob's like, I want to go to New York. And Phil's like, we should go to Vermont instead. And Bob's like, okay, my dick is hard. <laughs> for who? <laughs> for Betty. Betty. Oh, I thought maybe for Phil. Those brown eyes. Those blue eyes. Those brown eyes. Those blue eyes. <laughs> Must be beautiful, Vermont, this time well, of year. Well, Phil is oh, talking about brown snow. eyes, but what the brown eye really is is a bunghole and not an eye. So anyway, Phil and Bob decide to go to Vermont with the girls instead of going to New York for the Ed Sullivan show. And they are like, it's going to be so nice. It's going to be winter. It's going to be snow. We can ski. We can sled. And they get to Vermont, and guess what? What? It's 60 degrees and no snow. Just like Boston right now. So they get to the inn where the girls are supposed to be performing for the weekend. And there's this sassy lady behind the counter. And she's like, there's no snow, which means we have no guests, which means that the girls can't perform for anybody because there's nobody here to perform for. And they're like, all right, whatever. We'll stay as long as we need to. And then we'll go back to New York. And then guess who shows up? But the owner of the inn, who is also General... Waverly from the army from World War II from the first scene. And Bob is like, oh, a tan hut. And Phil is like, oh, a tan hut. And the general's like, oh, like after I got discharged from the army, I opened this inn in Vermont because maple syrup is really delicious. Now I own this inn. And, you know, it's just this weird, awkward moment. And then. Yeah. So basically, Bob realizes because Martha was like, you know, there's nobody staying here. Bob is like, well, wait a minute, Phil, you and I are celebrities. Let's do our show here. And people will travel if we do our show because they want to see us. And we can get the the Haynes sisters some more accolade. You know, we can get the inn some more business. And they decide to put on this mega holiday extravaganza. And throughout the rehearsal process of this holiday hoopla, extravaganza. Bob and Betty are like, wait a minute, you're kind of cute. You know? Yeah, I know. And also, on top of that, Phil and Judy are like, you're kind of cute. So during rehearsals, they find out from Martha. I'm calling her Martha because that's her name in the stage production. But in the movie, Emma. her name is Emma, but whatever. Bob and Phil find out from Martha. General Waverly asked to be back in the army, but he was too old and too disabled. And they were like, no, you can't be back in the army. And he's feeling really upset about that. So they're like, wait a minute. If we're going to do this big holiday show here, why don't we have it honor the general? Why don't we, you know, dedicate the show to him out of respect? So they go all out on the show. They invite this entire chorus of young kids, young theater kids to come fill out the ensemble of the show. And while they're in rehearsals, you know, Bob and Betty are getting it on. Phil and Judy are getting it on. And Bob is like, well, wait, we should call all of our old army buddies and we should have them come up to Vermont and do the show. So Bob calls up his big wig television friends and he's like, hey, Ed Harrison, give me some time on your show to reach out to all of our army buddies to see if they can come to Vermont. And Ed Harrison is like, well, hold on a second. And then guess what happens? Martha, since she's like a nosy little biatch. She sure is. She's like, let me tap into your phone call for a sec. Let me figure out what you're talking about. She picks up the phone and it, Ed Harrison's like, money, checks, cigars, ratings, women, pussy, drugs, alcohol. <laughs> nope, he's done. <laughs> and Martha hangs up the phone instantly. She's shook. 
And Bob's like, no, I don't want all that. I just want to get the word out that we, you know, want the general to have some respect. Big miscommunication. Big Shakespearean moment. Mm -hmm. Martha goes to... Martha slash Emma goes to Betty and she's like, Bob is, you know, taking advantage of the general and wants money and is greedy. And Betty's like, "Mm, I don't like the sound of that. And Judy has like the sister intuition. She's like, Judy is upset about something. I mean, Betty is upset about something. What do I do? She's like, I know what I'll do. I'll get married and then Betty won't have to worry about me anymore. So Betty and Phil get engaged so that Betty doesn't have to worry about Judy anymore and Betty can focus on her romance with Bob. But instead of focusing on her romance with Bob, Betty's like, LOL, I got an offer to be a big nightclub star so i'm out because bob you're trash also take the offer to do your yeah do your fucking job don't care about no man no if you got a fucking offer to be a nightclub star go be a nightclub star yeah with bernard don't wait for a man be a be a fucking star with bernardo in your a-line beautiful black velvet dress it's the day of the show and everyone's like where the hell is betty and Bob's like, where's Betty? And Phil's like, where's Betty? And Judy's like, where's Betty? And the general's like, oh, I took her to the train station. And she, like, wanted to leave. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell us? And Bob is like, well, I have to go to New York City to do the Ed Harrison slash Sullivan show. Wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge. I'll see if I can find her. And I'll try to convince her to come back to Vermont. And he finds her and she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm sexy now. So Bob goes on the Ed Sullivan slash AKA Harrison show. And he's like, if you were in the army, come support the general. Cause it matters. Betty is like, oh, Bob's actually a good guy. I should trust him. And then everyone's back in Vermont. They're like getting ready for the show. They're like, I don't know. Is Betty going to show up? We don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? What? She shows up. It's moments before the show is supposed to start. She's like, I'm ready. I'm in costume. I've prepared. Lyle, whatever the part, I am prepared. So Martha and... This is the first time I'm talking about her. General Waverly's granddaughter, Susan. She doesn't really matter. Who's an annoying little bitch. Okay. They're like, Grandpapa! Daddy, get ready for the nope. for the opening night. And General Baby is like, why do I have to wear my army suit? And Martha's like, because I got it. That's all I had in dry cleaning. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And the general comes into the lodge thinking that he's going to the opening night of the show. But he's actually going to his celebration. And all oh. the army guys are there. And all the audience members are there. And they're like, hip, hip, hooray. Whatever they would say in the olden days to avoid royalty fees. And then Phil and Bob are like, oh, I wish I was back in the army getting bled on and drinking my own piss to defend our country. (laughs) Eating hamburgers out of metal packages. No, maybe. And Betty's like, Bob, I love you. And Judy's like, Phil, I love you. Long story short, there's a big Christmas finale and the general is happy and he doesn't feel he doesn't feel like his his life is wasted on the army. Yeah. And Phil and Judy are engaged and Bob and Betty are in love. 
And it snows, and the army is still evil, but it's snowing, so whatever. And basically, what happens at the end is Vermont finally gets a white Christmas. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs... Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sam, I already fucked up. Hey, kid. No, that didn't count. We haven't started yet. Yes, it did. No, we did. (laughs) I'll take one with you. We're going to talk about our personal relationship with this this movie first. I'd like to hear yours first. I don't think I had, I I don't think I had seen the movie until I was at least in college. Mm -hmm. I think I might have been familiar with like the final scene. Like the picture. And I like knew sisters. Yeah. But I don't think I knew the movie. And then... When I was living on the seacoast of New Hampshire, a regional theater reached out to a colleague of mine and asked if we had anybody available to be a personal assistant uh, and production assistant on a regional production of this show that I did for a notable uh, regional theater. And I worked as a PA for the director, just taking notes and sort of assisting so I got to actually see the original production. It was oh. set by Randy Skinner and set by the director. Uh, so I got to see all the original costumes and the original set pieces. And it's beautiful. I mean, the original version of this show is just a production of productions. So I saw, I first of all, I think I saw this. I don't think I saw this movie until college either. Maybe high school. But mm-hmm. the second I saw it, I was like, this is my favorite fucking movie. It's so good. And Christmas so aside. I, Christmas aside. Off, you just said it twice, so take two sips. Oh, I did. Regardless of that, I think I watch it like probably at least five or six times a year. I love it so much. It's so good. And so last year I saw it for the second time on stage. I saw it when I was like five or six, so I don't remember. But I saw it last year in Boston with um, Lorna Luft. Judy ah, Lorna's daughter. yes. As Martha. Yep. She was great. She was spunky. Yeah, it's a it's a great character for like a kind of she's sassy, been doing it for a long time campy too. Star vehicle like that. And yes, when I did it at the regional theater that I PA'd at. Well, I didn't do it when I PA'd the production. It was um, supposed to be Sally Struthers, but she was sick during tech, so I didn't get to see Sally do it. Oh, I saw her understudy, but Sally then did it later, so it was fine. So I did also. <laughs> I was also in the show at uh, the Weather Rain Theater in Whitefield, New Hampshire. I played Ralph Sheldrake. This was my first equity contract, which was really awesome. This show was your uh, first one. 
Yeah. Or was it just that White summer? Christmas. Oh, wow. That summer was my first summer, but this is also my, like, equity stage debut. I'm not a member of Actors' Equity, but this was my first EMC show. I played Ralph Sheldrake. He's, like, their army buddy. I got to open the show, which is really fun. Just have a couple lines at the top of the show. Uh, it was great. The dancing is great. The choreographer yeah. for the show was awesome. She's super talented. And it was kind of just a fun, like, I got to come on and tell a few jokes and then leave, which was, like, a everything that I always want to do. love that. Are you ready for another category? I think so. All right. But I should... This if I get if I fail this one I'll have to finish this string. Okay, that sounds good. So they're all Christmas related. I don't know if I made that clear or not. You didn't, but I I gathered. Yeah, because it's Christmas. It's, it's Christmas holiday season. Barry, let's do this to do day. Are you ready to hear a little jingle? Was it we? Yeah. <laughs> Our next category is songs with the word Santa in the title. I'll start. Santa, tell me. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa baby. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Oh! That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Shit. Can you think of any others? Uh, no, I, I can't. can't. Me neither. <laughs> I think that's it. Santa. You're going to sing the word and think that's going to bring it to you? Santa. Santa. <laughs> Why do you keep modulating up? What key are you trying to go to? <laughs> Wait, now I want to look at all the ones we didn't get. Give me, give me two minutes. Oh my god. Give me two minutes. I just want to hop on the Spotify real fast. Want to look at my year, my 2020 wrapped? I found. If you guys are interested in how to find your Apple 2020 wrap, DM me because I figured it out. We got a lot of them. These damn Spotify members. Santa baby, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa, tell me. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. I could have said Santa Monica by Everclear, <laughs> but I didn't. Is that it? She has a song called Santa's Coming for Us. I could have said Santa Fe from Rent you or Santa Fe from uh, Newsies. Newsies. Here comes Santa Claus. That's one we didn't get. Oh, dummies. Uh, Santa, bring my baby back to me. That would have been a good one. I don't know that one. That's of an Elvis song. Okay. Santa, bring my baby back to me. Santa, bring my baby back to me. And I think that's all of the ones that we really care about. All right, we did Jennifer, oh, sorry. Jennifer Hudson, Ariana Grande, and Mariah Carey just released a song called Oh, Santa. Do you hear their harmonizing whistle tones? Incredible. I can't, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Just the clip on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Incredible. Uh, there's another song by the Killers called Don't Shoot Me Santa. Okay, I'm over this conversation, so... Um, and the very last one I want to say is... I'm sweating. Oye Como Va by Santana. Oye Como Va. Do you remember playing that in Pep Band? Da, da, da. Have we como... ever talked about Pep Band on the podcast? No. I played the euphonium so in Pep Band. Amanda about. played the cowbell. Yeah, she fucking did. Because every Amanda song more begged our cowbell. band director... To play the cowbell at pep band You're welcome, GHS. <laughs> I fucking was like, oh, we're done the anthem. Time for me to rock out. But, but, I but, forgot but, about that. But, 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 my solo. Oh. It'd be like, uh, and the home of the brave. Wait, what? What are you singing? What are you singing? 
Wait, what am I singing? It's something from a musical. I don't know what I'm singing. Anyway. We've completely gone astray, and we still have to do our favorite parts. Mm-hmm. I, and this is one of my favorite movies, I only have five favorite parts. How many do you have? Well, I separated mine because I'm familiar with it, because I'm a little bit more familiar with the stage musical than you. I separated my favorite parts between the stage musical and the film, and I have four for each, but I'm going to move fast. I'll go first then, because I have fewer. And maybe... Maybe you'll have one that I already have, so you'll have less. When yeah, you're probably you. right. Before we get into our favorite parts, because I know we have a lot, as we always do, mm-hmm. we were going to talk a little bit about the minstrel number in the movie. So Mandy was written as, Irving Berlin wrote Mandy as a song to be performed in a minstrel show, mm-hmm. which obviously were not cool ever. Um, minstrel shows notoriously featured blackface. Mandy is a song from the movie that glorified the sh- the uh, days of minstrel shows. It's really not cool. It's really unfortunate that the number is such a spectacle and that it's yeah. such a cherished number of the show, but has such horribly racist connotations. So we just want to say that if we at any point talk about the song Mandy, we just want to make it clear that the choreography is something that we find very spectacular. Yeah. But obviously the subject matter of the song is absolutely nothing that we condone in any way, shape, or form. Luckily, when you watch it, because it's a movie that's not going to go away, it's a song that won't get taken out unless big, big steps are taken. Exactly. At least the choreography is way more of a spectacle than what the song's about. Exactly. You know, if you're like me, like, I didn't have any idea for a long time. And... Right. I'm glad that I was naive. I think the show could benefit from, like, a a disclaimer. Have you seen... Mm. Do you have... You don't have HBO Max, do you? I do. I do. So, if you watch Gone with the Wind at any point on HBO Max, Mm -hmm. it actually begins with, like, an eight-minute presentation. Wow. That begins just by saying, we want to talk about this film and its problematic history. We're going to let you watch it, but we just want to say before it begins that this film really has some problematic content. That's incredible. That's... Um, it really is. And I think this movie could possibly benefit from something like uh, that. Many movies. We talked about Annie a couple weeks Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. That could definitely benefit oh, yeah. from it. Wow. Now that that's out of the way, we just wanted to say that. Let's, yeah. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. To quote this kid over here. <laughs> right from the get-go, Bing singing the opening song, Get Your Beverage Ready, White Christmas. Goodbye. Because Bing's voice is creamy velvet. And if you don't know, now you know, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) My second favorite part is my favorite character. What's her face? The one who goes, mutual, I'm sure. So that's actually a famous Broadway dancer. uh, Is it? Her name is, oh shit. Uh, her character is Doris Lenz. That's actually famous dancer yes. Barry Chase. Uh, she is uncredited in the movie. She just stepped in to do that small little part, but she's famous for the best part. Being, exactly. She was in Pal Joey, Brigadoon, uh, Call Me Madam. She danced with Fred Astaire during MGM Pictures. Like she was in everything, and she came in to do this small little part uncredited. I love her. 
Mutual, I'm sure. So funny. My third favorite part is when the boys sing sisters, specifically because Danny Kay has never looked so happy in anything I've ever seen him in. I'm just saying. I know. I feel like I did a deep dive in him a couple years ago and saw that he definitely had affairs with men. He did. No, I read yeah. today that he had like a 10-year affair with Laurence Olivier. There you go. Yeah. Laurence Olivier. Yeah, so he definitely was gay. But these poor men who had to do shit back, and, and women. Rock Hudson. That's, that's, that's a rant for another time. But yes, another I just time. finished. Marlene Dietrich. I just finished this amazing book called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Have you heard of it? No, but you were just telling me about it before we started. I was? Okay, so it's about that too. She's she's a gay woman. Yeah. It's wild. Okay, anyways, everybody go read that book, please. <laughs> My fourth one is the kicks that Vera Ellen does in Mandy. <sighs> Whoa, up and up and, and the, her Just throwing her across the stage. 180 degree angle, a.k.a. a straight <laughs> line. A.k.a. I hate you. That's what it is. Her legs, and it's one after the other. Okay, and my last one. Oh, no, I was going to say, I could talk about the choreography from this movie, obviously, for a thousand years. Every time I watch it, I notice new things in these dances where I'm like, how? That's it. Literally. Also, I didn't realize, because Rachel and Andrew told me this today, too, her legs are insured for million, were insured for millions of dollars. Vera Ellen's? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Bob Fosse was uncredited as well? Yeah, because he helped choreograph choreography. choreography and Best Things Happen While You're Dancing. Oh, I did not realize that one. Yeah, it was both numbers. I mean, you watch choreography at the beginning and you're like, what you the know fuck is instantly this? that and it's then like you a look, spoof yeah. because it's a spoof on Martha Graham. Yeah. My last one is basically the entirety of Love You Didn't Do Right by Me because I melt at the sound of Rosemary Clooney's voice. Also, Bernardo. Looking, also, looking as hell. what a stoic look on his face. <laughs> Not only the song. First of all, why have I never put that in my rep? I was I literally like just going to say, why did you not do that in your senior recital? I don't know. I don't know. I'm mad at myself. I'll have the another curtain opening, recital. the neckline of the dress with all the spikes on it. So the other favorite part of mine of the song is her dress. Because she had the hourglass body... Of a mannequin. It is. She's just so stunning. It's so ridiculous. And she was like 30 years younger than Bing Crosby. Yeah. Way to go, girl. Love that romantic connection. Good on you. What are your favorite parts? So I actually separated mine between the stage production and the movie. I'm going to start with the oh, stage production. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Okay. All right. So my first are these two characters who are actually inspired by... Uh, uh, who, what did I say her name was? Bernice. Love them. Dorothy. Ber- Dorothy. Anyway. Feliz Navidad. Ber- Bernice Navidad. Um, <laughs> two characters that were inspired that were inspired in the stage production by that dancer in the first scene with Bing Crosby. Their names are Rita and Rhoda. And during the first number that the first big number that happens, which I'm about to talk about. Um, in the musical, it's a mashup of Happy Holidays and mm-hmm. um, All I Want for Christmas is You. Exactly. No. It's <laughs> a mashup of Happy Holidays and what? 
Santa baby. Come get, come get together. What's that song? Let the dance floor feel your leather. Uh, Put on the Ritz. No, uh. If you're blue. Get hot. Get hot. No. No, come on. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Let yourself go. It's a mashup of happy holidays. I would like you to leave the chat, please. (laughs) I would like you to leave the chat. (laughs) So in the stage production, the first big ensemble number is a mashup of Happy Holidays and Let Yourself Go by Irving Berlin, meant to be performed on the Ed Sullivan Show. And at the top of the number, these two uh, very campy comedic showgirls enter in these Costumes, because you know in olden days when they used to be like, this number is brought to you by this product. Yeah, like we're trying to do with our our weekly shot. Bud Light Seltzer, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so these two girls come out in this uh, laundry cleaner box and with like sexy legs. Ultraclux. Ultraplex. Exactly like that, but it's called Oxidol. It's like ox- it's real a real product, but it's Oxidol detergent. And they come out in these big Oxidol boxes. And these two girls, Rita and Rhoda are like the dumb, campy, ditzy showgirls that are in the whole show as like comedic relief. So I love Rita and Rhoda. I also love that first full ensemble moment. When I saw the show at this big regional theater where I PA'd the production, it was loud, it was flashy. They had this all matching costumes for the men and women in the ensemble. It was fantastic. I also really love the number Snow in the stage production. I like it better than Snow in the movie. Take a sip twice. You just said one of our buzzwords twice. So, Snow. (laughs) This number in the stage production is a full ensemble number. Everybody on the train is excited that they're going to Vermont because they're going to see the snow. They're going to skate. They're going to sled. They're going to ski. And it's a full moment where the entire ensemble... What? Where? So, they're in a straight line. They're headed to New England to see all of the... University, White Mountains. It's Precipitation. To see all of the precipitation in New England. Good. And the, the harmonies are fantastic, and it's this big, fat ensemble sound. And finally, my very last favorite part is the finale of the show... Martha, the little granddaughter of the general, mm. runs on stage and she screams, it's, per- uh, what does she scream? She screams, it's precipitating. It's precipitating. <laughs> and what you a see moment. the precipitation on stage fall oh from God. the skies. And I think anytime it precipitates on stage. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Precipitation, 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 precipitation. How did you do that? You must be an actor. Pardon me, is everybody there? Because if everybody's there, I want to thank you all for precipitating <laughs> to the wedding. I forget to do anymore. <laughs> but I think you that's a word of it to Paul. We're applying to the man. I'm going to precipitate if I'm not. Because I'm going to precipitate anyone as wonderful as him. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she runs onto the stage. I'm just going to say it. She says, it's snowing, it's snowing. And the barn doors open up. And it begins to snow on stage. I will take two sips. My favorite part of the film is, my favorite parts of the film are sisters. The first one. The dresses are stunning. The marabou fans are stunning. It's just such an iconic moment of the film. Next up is Abraham. It's sort of in the second half of the film. 
the dance that's duet between Evira Allen and the lead male dancer, who has a name which I cannot remember at the moment. He has a name. I mean, most people do. She had a father who just happened to be the governor of Munchkinland, and she had a mother, as so many do. The mother, the father. Where's the beef? <laughs> Should we make merchandise that says the mother, the father, where's the beef? That. Anyway. Maybe. Uh, I also mentioned Love You Didn't Do Right By Me and The Dress. Mm. And I also love the finale of the movie when it precipitates into the barn in the movie as well. We should name this episode Hashtag Precipitating. Yeah. Hashtag Precipitating. Uh, would you like... Would you like... To play another game of categories? Yes. Yeah, would I would. Lay it on me, baby. All right. This one, I might fail. Okay. So I might have to get up and go get a drink in a second. Okay. Peanuts characters. Oh, Christmas. Charlie okay. Brown. Snoopy. Lucy. Sally. Pigpen. Peppermint Patty. Linus. Shermie. How do you know so many? Beethoven. Woodstock. <laughs> Beethoven's not a character. That's not his name. He's Schroeder. not. You got it wrong. Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the all you. All right, kid. Let's move on to our Edwina Spoonapple Award. Are you going to go first or am I going to go first? You're going to go first this time because I went first last time. Great. Uh, mine is a tie between, between Rosemary Clooney and Danny Kay. Ooh, mine was also a tie between them. Rosemary Clooney I, and Danny Kay? Yes, I, in the end, chose Danny Kay. He gets the better material. But Rosemary Clooney singing Love You Didn't Do Right Yeah, but Rosemary Clooney has to be the curmudgeon the whole time. She's like the Scrooge. You know what I mean? She has to be the downer, so we're going to side with Danny because he's a more positive character. You're so right. But she did more, I think, with the... Yeah, you know what I mean? I respect Betty, though. Yeah. She's not going to take no shit from no one. You know when Judy, aka Vera Ellen, like slides her hand up Danny Kaye's thigh? It's like promiscuous i love when his I voice cracks that. in that first scene me too because poor guy's gay he doesn't know what to do doesn't know what to do <laughs> i get it i agree <clears throat> so we the same one will you tell me who your climate for mountain award goes to it goes to the great irving berlin i think this is his best musical it's his best compositions holiday inn is whatever call me madam is whatever yeah, I don't know it. White Christmas is the best. It's the supreme. Yeah. So I was going to say Irving Berlin, but I'm actually going to give this movie the Climb Every Mountain Award. Wait, hold on. I'm really confused <laughs> about how I want to word this. Oh, no. I think... <laughs> I think I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Christmas movies can't win the Climb Every Mountain Award. White Christmas can win the Climb Every Mountain Award for Christmas movies. Okay. Then that's what it's going to win. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm trying to figure out for the past 10 minutes. Good. Okay. Good for you. White Christmas wins the Climb Every Mountain Award for Christmas movies. Round of applause to them for winning. Because it's my favorite movie this time of year. So that's who I give it to. 
I think that was beautiful. Wow. Do you do you have? Yeah. Imagine how it's touched the sky. You know. So let me ask you one more category. Let okay, us do okay, okay, okay. one more round of the categories. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> Actors who have played Santa. I'll start. Tim Allen. Kurt Russell. Damn it! That's what I was gonna say. I'm out. Gotcha, Sabrine. How did I end up losing this game? I was. I, don't I wouldn't know. have I guessed Tim Allen. Them. I wouldn't have gotten it. I, don't, really? I literally couldn't think of a, another single one. Kurt Russell from Christmas Chronicles. I only Tim know Allen. Kind of on Netflix. Yeah. I just watched. Yeah, I just watched Christmas Chronicles two. Is it good? I've never seen the first one. Oh. But Kenny put on Christmas Chronicles two because he saw that it had Goldie <laughs> Hawn in it, and he loves Goldie Hawn. Well, would you ever want to be in the show again? Yes, I would. I'd want to play Martha, aka Emma, the inn owner. Yes, but I'd like yeah. you to have more of an Emma from the movie kind of vibe. Sure. Cranky, nosy. <laughs> well, she's nosy in the show. I too, sang right? so in the show she sings the Irving Berlin song "Let Me Sing" and I'm happy, and that's, that's... actually the song that I sang for my Fifty Four Below debut. Hmm. She has a line in the show where she's like, "One time backstage, Ethel Merman said, honey, you are loud.'" <laughs> And that's one of my favorite lines that Martha has in the show. Yeah, that's a fabulous line. It's a great line. Uh, I don't want to be in the show, so I want to be in the audience. I think it'd be really good as Susan. Who? The Grandpa, Grandpa! It's snowing! What is it? Yeah, there you go. Take a big fat sip. Well, let's wrap this episode up. I can't believe it's our season two finale. Sam just took another shot. I can't wait to hear this plot that's about to happen. Amanda, I want to briefly say to you. No, you don't. Don't don't get emotional. That I know that you already got emotional at the beginning. Of doing this episode, doing this podcast has not always been easy. It's been hard work. We upped the ante this season. We wanted there to be more drinking, more funny, more jokes, more games. I know it hasn't always been easy, but I'm so fortunate to have a best friend who is communicative, who is hardworking, who is somebody who perseveres through adversity. Um, you motivate me to be a better person every single day of our friendship, and I am endlessly grateful to have a soulmate like you to co-host a podcast like this with. So also in this book, <laughs> let me just tell you that they say to each other, like, I think that there's more than romantic soulmates. There are, and, and you've it, said and that to me like, before. Yes! I know, I've said that a lot to you. You have. Well, I really appreciate those kind words, and I feel very similarly. I also want to take a quick moment to say that we are thankful for all of our listeners. This is our season finale, season two finale. We are so grateful for our almost 250 Instagram followers, our listeners every week who tune into Buzz Broadway. You are small but mighty. We are so lucky to have you. Yes. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on your channel. Um, Thank you. Thank you to God. You blessed us with <laughs> Thank this you to ability. Big, big, do you watch Megan Stalter videos ever? You know who that no. is? No. She always, <laughs> she's like a, like, a, like a fake personality, like comedian character, but she always calls God Daddy God, and it really gets me good. <laughs> she's like, and as always, my big thanks to the big, to you, to big Daddy God. Oh my God. I'll have to send you her profile. I think you'll recognize her if you saw her. 
All right, let's 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 get to this. Let's just say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everyone. Everyone. Have a great. Uh, Stay tuned. We don't know what the future of Buzz Broadway will <laughs> hold, but we hope you're there with literally. us. Have a great holiday. We Woo. love you so much. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information on how to support our podcast, visit bpn.fm slash buzzbroadway or on Instagram at buzzbroadwaypodcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean with editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with arrangements by Patrick Doro. This is a Broadway Podcast Network production. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to BPN, and to our listeners. See you next time. Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Walk down that lonesome road all by yourself. Don't turn your head. You want to put your in. Walk over your shoulder. And only stop to rest yourself when the silver moon. Wait till you listen back to this. <laughs> Is shining, is shining high, high above, above the sea. The <laughs> Did you say above the sea? It's above the trees. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.